What is up, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today, Luke Coppa and I are talking to the three co-founders of a new company called Made, which is making custom technical apparel. Now, those are not three words that we tend to hear together, but as you are about to see, this is a really sharp group of three veterans of the apparel and outdoor industry, and we talked to them about why they started Made and how they are making this happen. By the way, you should also check out the conversation that we posted yesterday over on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast feed because we had a fantastic conversation with Cassie Abel, who is the co-founder of Wild Rye. Now, that conversation pairs really well with this one that you are about to hear, so you should check them both out. And you know, you ought to be subscribing to Bikes and Big Ideas, because we got a ton of good conversations happening over there too. So check it out. Now, this episode of Gear 30 is presented by our blister-recommended shop, the Ski Monster. This season's best gear is now on sale at the Ski Monster, and you can get free shipping. And if you are a Blister member, or if you hurry up and become a Blister member, you can also get an additional 15% off. So go to theskimonster.com, take a look around, and get yourself a great deal. And now, let's get to this really interesting conversation we had with Cheryl Labar, Capri Phillip, and Dustin Butcher, and our very own Luke Kappa about made custom apparel. Here we go. All right, well, I am very happy to be joined by Cheryl and Capri and Dustin and Luke Kappa who's currently rocking a nice little kind of sort of quasi shiner apparently got in a fight with a groomer this weekend anyway looking looking tough but anyway we're very happy to to be talking today about made and so to get into this and the origins of the company and the like why don't we go ahead and start with your respective backgrounds and so Cheryl why don't you kick things off Yeah, so I got my start in the outdoor industry at like 15 in a little tiny outdoor shop selling um, outdoor outerwear, worked with Wesco and Arc'teryx as like a teenager, and then went through design school with a really heavy focus on outerwear and technical apparel. Uh, From there, I interned at uh, Westcomb and Segoy, and then, yeah, most recently uh, working as a product developer at Arc'teryx. Capri. Yeah. My history of just making things started when I was really young. So I've been sewing since I was 10 years old. Um, And then I got some experience in the film industry and uh, doing some made-to-measure clothing, actually, custom clothing. Uh, But then I really wanted to work on just creating things that had a purpose and a function. Um, So went to university, uh, got a degree, uh, and started working at Arc'teryx. And I was there for about six years. Uh, So I worked through um, starting on pattern making uh, and grading and sizing and then working uh, pattern making and then into design. So wait, you were working, making custom outfits for film sets and this is before you went to college? Yeah, I was doing, well, I was doing custom actually wedding dresses before and uh, different, yeah, like some suiting and a whole bunch of different things. So it's kind of meant to be, I guess. Okay, but wait, favorite film, if you're allowed to talk about this, I don't know, favorite experience making clothing for a film? Oh, um, I worked on this uh, small film that was filmed here locally called Edward. Um, And that was really fun because there was actually a whole bunch of different animals in the film. So we went to this farm and we saw like bears and um, like a bunch of hawks and uh, a couple of the actors were actually method actors as well. So it was definitely (laughs) really interesting being on set every day. Um, That was pretty cool, though, because we did a lot of research into, you know, it was set in about 1910. 
So we had to do a bunch of research about what like the apparel looked back then. And it was kind of a lower budget. So we were, you know, making um, bloomers, which are like women's undergarments in the 1900s out of bed sheets. And we kind of just like we had to find whatever materials we could uh, to make it happen. But it yeah, it looked amazing in the end. We're super proud of it. This makes me want to jump ahead to the question of is made going to end up making like technical bloomers, but maybe we can get to that. Maybe we can get to that later. Three layer waterproof. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And last but not least, Dustin, tell us a little bit about your own background. Sure. So I've worked in the outdoor space forever. Um, I've, I worked in-house at Volet, uh, then at Petzl, then at Gregory Pax. Then I started freelancing and always in the uh, marketing and creative space. Um, and then I started freelancing for a couple of years and then I started my own little, uh, creative agency. Um, I've been doing that for the past eight years or so. Um, and in that time I kind of function as the, uh, creative director for G3. Uh, we work with Pret Helmets and Petzl and like a lot of the same brands I just said that I used to work for. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my background. So how did you all get connected and tell us a little bit about the origins of this idea. Yeah, sure. So the initial kind of spark happened on a ski tour of mine last spring, uh, where I was wearing some Alpine climbing pants that I really like the way they fit, uh, but they don't have like a beacon pocket and they don't fit over my ski boots. Um, so it was kind of like complaining to my ski partners who have now heard this over and over for the past year, uh, that like, oh man, I wish I could get the feature set of my other ski touring pants, but in this kind of fit and in this fabric and like dial in those things. And so it just started as a conversation. And then it was like, you know what? I have a custom suit. I want a custom suit online a few years ago. And I'm like, I was able to just kind of like give my measurements and choose the feature set and get like exactly what I wanted and it fits perfectly and stuff. And it's like, so why can't I do that? So I came home and did some Googling. It didn't exist. So I made a couple of phone calls and, uh, and one friend of ours, that uh, a mutual friend of the three of us uh, that I reached out to, she uh, was able, I, I told her what I was working on and said, hey, I'm looking for the right partner for this. Like, who is it? And uh, she's like, I know exactly who it is, but it's actually two people and not one. And honestly, we never like, I never talked to anybody else. Like, it was just like, it was, we, we chatted and it's like, yeah, we're all in and we've all got the right backgrounds that all fit together. And so we just started working on it. And here we are. Uh, Cheryl or Capri, what did Dustin leave out of that origin story? Cheryl. (laughs) Um, so for my part, uh, and the reason why I was interested in working with Dustin and excited about is one of the projects in training is, um, at ARC is to make your own pants or like a garment. And for me, I'm quite tall. I have quite large hips, but everything else I'm quite small. So I had to make a pair of pants and I didn't fit any of the pants in the product line. Like nothing fit me not just the way I liked, but at all. They were either too small in the hips or too big in the hips or too short. So I um, took those pants and changed the pattern so that it fit me um, and then made my own pair of pants. So fast forward to when I get a text from our friend um, quite late at night, hey, I've got this guy who wants to talk to you about this idea about custom clothing. And I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is exactly, exactly right. And then I actually told Capri about it. (laughs) Um, We were talking and I was like, hey, I got this really exciting thing. I'm talking to this guy about doing a custom outerwear brand. And she was like, oh my gosh, I just talked to him. (laughs) And I was like, so it was kind of great that we both were in on it and we've worked together for a long time and are good friends. So yeah. Okay, so backing up for just a second, why don't we kind of get the mission statement? Let's see who of the three of you has like the most concise mission statement for what MADE is. I think that 
the basic way to, to say it is we want to fit the best possible we want to make the best possible outerwear for every single person. Okay. Like you will not be able to find a better solution in outerwear anywhere else for you individually. Pretty succinct, pretty strong. Okay. Follow-up question. Can you guys shed a little bit of light for us of how companies go about sort of creating sizes? Right. I mean, we, I think we sometimes forget that like what ends up getting called a small or an XL or whatever, it just sort of is what it is. But can you tell us a little bit about, you know, especially the bigger the company where you're doing a lot of volume and it's like, how on earth do we come out with an approximate size that is going to kind of work, hopefully work really well for a whole slew of different body types and the rest? Just tell us a little bit about what goes into that. I mean, it's it's very convoluted and it's uh, definitely uh, a moving target in a way because, you know, depending on how big the company is, you can hire um, externally to, uh, someone to do research for you. So they can come up with um, a set of base measurements. I mean, there's actually lots of data um, publicly available online. But if you really want to target um, your consumer, then it is good to hire an external agency to do this for you because then you can put the parameters of, uh, you know, how many percentage of our customer base is in this country, and then they can grab that data that way. Um, but that being said, it's um, it's still an average of thousands of people. So it's kind of grabbing the range from the low end to the high end and fitting the bell curve of the, the most amount of people that you can. So of course, there's going to be people on both ends that maybe won't be able to find their size or have to greatly compromise. Um, but even within that scale, it's sort of uh, an even an even scale. Every company does this a little bit differently, I think, um, to best fit their customer. Um, but I mean, from my experience, you know, doing um grading so this is when you're you usually develop in a base size pattern uh and then extrapolate it out into these different sizes but then we'd like to fit all these sizes to make sure everything's looking okay um but from my experience you know there's at least one or two things that are always off for each person and so we had this kind of joke uh you know in my last job that we all had these weird complexes because I was, you know, I was the the one with long arms because all my jackets were, <laughs> everything I fit was, you know, had, was a little bit too short in my arms or people are like, oh yeah, I have a, I have too long of a neck, you know? Um, so <laughs> it's kind of the, yeah, it's kind of trying to best fit everyone, but not perfectly fitting anyone in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good jumping point onto just the idea of a custom fitted starting off with a jacket. I mean, that's something that like like Dustin said doesn't really exist in the technical outerwear category. Um, and I was interested to have you guys talk a bit more about the maids custom fit process and then how that is translated into the final product. And it sounds like you guys are doing this in some pretty different ways than uh, what's currently out there. Dustin? Yeah, so the the basic process will be you will go onto the uh, website and you will identify, you'll choose your customizations, all that kind of stuff. You get to design your jacket, right? Um, and then as far as the made-to-measure part goes, so you need to uh, measure yourself and we've got a video and some instructions on how that works. You need a friend and a f- flexible tape measure. It's a pretty simple process. Um, but you'll go through this process and submit your measurements. At that point, the measurements go into our software as as well as the customizations that you've chosen and it creates a fully custom pattern. So it's not like it's a, uh, like, oh yeah, you fit into a large shoulder set and a small torso and medium arms or something, right? It's not like a template kit kind of thing. Like these are all fully custom patterns. So our software will take your measurements and scale the pattern exactly to you. Then it goes, that pattern is then checked by a human trained pattern maker um, who says, okay, this all looks good. Or, hey, this person claims that they have a 24-inch neck and that doesn't make any sense uh, with all the other measurements that we have. So it kind of flags those those few things. 
Um, and if it all looks good, then it goes straight to the factory and onto the laser cutter and then goes through the uh, manufacturing process and gets shipped directly to you. Capri, do you have something to add to this? Um, so, I mean, the way that we're designing and manufacturing is definitely a little bit different than most companies because we're not really designing this one jacket as a finished piece. It's kind of like a modular system uh, where you can you're kind of turning on and off these features. So we've almost designed it as like a skeleton of a, of a jacket uh, where like the bulk is filled in with these different features and you can, you know, turn them on and off depending on what, what your needs are. Um, and then also, you know, this, this sort of way of designing is working with the factory to make sure that it's streamlined in manufacturing um, because, you know, customized gear is takes a long time to make. And it's, um, there's a reason why, you know, it's, it can be at a higher price point. Uh, but there's also this, uh, many softwares in place that have come up over the last few years. Um, it's a way that um, as we build the system, um, when we can automatically input your measurements um, and it, we can choose based on, you know, different body measurements, which sort of starting point we, we are, we, start with. Uh, and then after that, the software will grade it to your exact measurements. Um, and there's some really interesting ways that it's integrated into production as well. Like there's some ways that the the software will actually flag if there is something that is slightly outside of our parameters. So it'll tell us like, hey, you know, this looks a little bit weird or funky. Like, can you take a look? Um, and we can actually go in and um, put another kind of rule on top of that to say, hey, if this is outside of your measurement, um, then choose this instead. Um, so it's kind of learning as we go. And the, the more and more, you know, jackets that we produce, like the, the smarter the software is going to get and closer to, uh, you know, more streamlined it's going to get for us as well. So just to be clear on that. So let's say, and can I go to the, to the website today and start designing a jacket? Let's start there. Like, when can one do this? So you can't go to the website and design your jacket yet. That uh, We're still working on that part of the uh, the application. And honestly, like, we're with the launch of the Indiegogo project, like, that's where we're focusing our, our stuff right now. And then as soon as the Indiegogo ends, then people will, like, the backers will get, like, you know, here's the details on how to design your jacket and measure yourself, right? But then when we launch the full brand in the fall, yes, there will be the full kind of like interactive click, like, you know, I want to click, oh, what if I chose a trim fit style versus a relaxed fit style? What is it? And the jacket changes and, and it like interacts with you and the changes that you want to see as you go through it, right? So no, you can't go to the website yet. That was my long answer to your short question. <laughs> so if I submitted measurements, and something got flagged, like, well, that seems real odd. Would I then get an email back saying, um, you might want to double check this? And I'll be like, no, I just have a really weird, whatever the case may be. But so there would be a, a note that would come back and say, hey, why don't we try this one again? Just want to double check things. Is that is that how it'll work? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. And I mean, we kind of have set up these parameters based on averages that you know, maybe the traditional industry uses. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would just, yeah, kick back to us. I think most people kind of do sit in some sort of an average, right? There's, there's always just like, um, an outsider inside, uh, of, of course, like someone's neck can't be, you know, 27 inches. That's maybe humanly impossible or very, very rare. But in that case, yes, if that person does have that, then it'll kick back to us and we can uh, we can adjust it for them, which maybe, you know, this person would never be able to find something on the market that's out there right now because the sizing just doesn't accommodate them at all. Yeah, I think that that brings up kind of a general point about the demographic for the brand and who you all think is going to benefit most from this very different method of producing clothes. I think there are some some obvious ones, but maybe some that we wouldn't normally think of. So whoever wants to kick off that topic. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, there are going to be a lot of people just that are in, as Capri touched on, the like 
it kind of fits with everybody in the outdoor industry. So those core users, but we also see a lot of space for inclusion with anybody, you know, someone that might not have been served by uh, traditional brands. So they haven't been able to get out there, you know, someone that might have a disability or might be plus sized or might have any other number of reasons that they haven't been serviced by the traditional industry. We're a place where they can come and get something that's going to help them get out there. Um, and then, yeah, for the majority, we're also an option to, for them to get a really premium custom product. I think it's an easy conversation, right? For anybody that's off size, right? You might be short and round or tall and skinny or something like those, those types immediately get it, right? But like people like myself and both of you, if I remember meeting you in person, like we're pretty medium guys. And so like, yeah, generally mediums fit me, right? But I still have like Capri had mentioned where it's like, there's still those like, ah, oh, my sleeves aren't right or my torso's too long or it's just too boxy of a fit or whatever, right? So like it's it's going beyond the like, yeah, there's the obvious body shapes that this is like, you know, a slam dunk for. But then there's like everybody else just realizing what it means to have something that's custom made and what like that feels like compared to just buying something off the rack. And by the way, it still is really still kind of eye-opening. I mean, we see a lot of apparel coming through Blister headquarters, right? Again, I mean, Dustin, you were just saying, well, if Luke and I are, you know, sort of in that medium-ish range, it's still surprising to me all the time how differently those medium pants fit and then that large jacket. And, And, you know, we are constantly, even as people that are maybe, I don't even know the right terms to use, but not so, I mean, we're abnormal in a lot of ways, but maybe not so much when it comes to apparel and all the time it's like, oh, definitely. I'm going to guess I'm going to go large with that brand, but medium in another, but large in pants because their pants tend to be, you know, cut, uh, slimmer than I personally like and blah, blah, blah. So if that's true of people that, you know, again, I'm going to blame you, Dustin, you've put us in the kind of normie camp. Um, I mean, folks that are a bit outside of that at all, right? I mean, I think we pretty quickly can come to understand where there could be a need for this. Yeah. So in addition to customizing fit, um, Maid's also offering a lot of other options, um, one of which is the materials that the jacket's going to be made out of. Could you run us through the options you have during this initial launch and kind of who would be better off with one versus the other? We've got uh, two that we're looking at right now. Uh, One is our Sympatex. So I think this is going to be kind of our base uh, fabric that we have and we're offering, you know, uh, our seasonal colorways and everything. Um, and it is uh, one of the most sustainable on the on the planet. I think they're using a fully recycled uh, face and backer um, polyester, uh, as well as a carbon neutral polyester membrane. So this is really important to us because we wanted to be able to, you know, get on the path to circular design and that being a circular company and the way that their material is uh, created is makes it able being able to be fully recycled so um, yeah this is uh, gonna be it's a little bit more of a burly fabric and it is highly waterproof uh, and breathable and it would be really great in wet climate so Cheryl and I were up in Vancouver and you know we're getting hit by rain and snowstorms sitting on the on the chairlift or, you know, touring around in a, in the rain, which is just, you know, the, uh, the reality over here, um, as well, we're using polar tech Neo shell. So, uh, we're actually using a lighter weight, uh, highly breathable version of this. Um, and they have a bunch of dead stock that, um, maybe they've produced too much for the season or um, they have, you know, a bit left over, or maybe it's just a bit too small of a role for other companies to buy to produce like a whole run. So we're actually able to, you know, purchase that, um, do our testing on it and um, offer that for the season as well. Um, and so this is um, 
you know, definitely a more lightweight, breathable version. So if you're high output and uh, in a drier climate, this would be perfect for you. Um, something that maybe you just need as an emergency shell. I know that this is kind of something that uh, Dustin, where he is at, is kind of perfect. And um, something you can really just, you know, pack up and stick in your bag uh, easily. That's super lightweight. Well, I just, I know you guys have uh, a history of loving the Neo Shell fabric and, and being Colorado based. That makes a ton of sense. I'm based in Utah. And so like, yeah, like me, the Neo Shell is like right exactly what I want to be using. It's super light. It's super breathable. And, you know, like in any of the weather that I deal with around here, it's perfect. Right. And like, that's, I know that the same general experience you guys have had in Colorado. So I think that the, the goal of the materials was to kind of like find that mix of like, okay, we want to be able to get the perfect shell for like any of these customers. And obviously as we grow and we like expand the product line and stuff, there will be additional fabrics available in the future. And like, we'll be able to have a much more expansive library of options. Um, But in the short term with the, with the crowdfunding jacket right now, especially, it's just those two. But that is a pretty cool thing to be able to use a fabric that maybe isn't coming in at the right quantity for a different manufacturer. And um, as opposed to that, I don't know, ending up in a landfill or something, it's like we're going to be able to make some good apparel out of it. That seems seems like a good thing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I know those two fabrics in particular are two that we've had very good experiences with in the past. So definitely optimistic about that. Um, I think we can move on to the feature set. So um, like we talked before, like a lot of the times, especially during our testing, like I'll really like the fit of a jacket and the materials, but the feature set's all wrong or vice versa. Um, So what sort of options will a consumer have in terms of customizing what sort of different elements um, and trims are on on their shell and were there any particular challenges with kind of creating the available options because I can imagine having both a custom pattern for the fit and a custom feature set has got to get pretty complicated pretty fast. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely can get complicated and we hit a few hiccups along the way. Um, so the idea is that they can like really disguise the limit with the feature set that a customer can choose. Um, and there, the challenges for us being that certain certain feature sets. So we've got, you know, full length pit zips, which is something that, you know, we heard from our initial um, survey that people wanted more ventilation in certain aspects. And so we added this full length straight to the hem um, pit zipper. And we also have the option for different types of hems. So we have an elasticated hem or we have a fully adjust, like an adjustable to adjustment hem. And when you've added that feature of the full length pit zip, that changes how that construction works. So from my end, being the developer on this, it was really trying to find a way um, where we can standardize almost everything. And so, you know, similar to what Capri was talking about with the patterns where there are certain rules in place where, you know, if a measurement comes in and it's really far outside of the norm, this is then what happens. And so that's kind of the same way we've set up our um, our production um, system. So, you know, if it's you know, if they add the pit zip, it changes the way that construction works. And it was laying all of that out very clearly for um, for production and um, definitely a lot of learnings along the way, even even still sort of just tweaking that as we go and making it more efficient and, and adding new rules. So, Dustin, in terms of the like the actual stuff that someone's going to be able to put on a jacket, could you run us through just some of the options there? For sure. Yeah, I'll do just kind of a quick run through of that. So one of the first questions you'll you'll be asked is your general fit style. So do you want trim, regular, relaxed? So even within the custom fit program, you'll still be able to get your own style. Um, You'll also have the choice of having like an extra long jacket or like a regular size jacket. Um, So fit style, zip style. So you can have a full zip, one way, two way, or an anorak, Um, three different hoods, uh, different cuff options, different hem options, uh, hand pockets. Uh, with the Anorak, you've got a couple of different hand pocket options too, kind of like a sweatshirt or like a kangaroo. Um, we've got a back pocket that's great for putting your skins in or just other snacks or whatever, right? 
Um, chest pockets, you can have it on the left, on the right, or on both. Arm pockets, uh, like upper arm, lower arm, or both. Or none, right? Like th- those are always options on these as well. Pit zips, like Cheryl had mentioned, you've got like the normal pit zip, long pit zip or nothing, and then interior pockets and that sort of thing. So it really is like each of the pieces you are able to kind of go through and make the choices and really design your own jacket. Like me again, like, you know, I'm looking for that like minimalist, like, so I, you know, I'm anorak, single chest pocket, lightweight hood, like elasticated cuff, elasticated hem. That's it. Like, that's all I want out of this jacket. Whereas, you know, Cheryl, who designed hers, is like, yeah, I want the fully adjustable hood. I want, you know, and she's got like all this stuff because she's using it more often in the Pacific Northwest than than I am in the desert, right? Hmm. And more resort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dustin, I like almost everything you just said. Except one thing. You loved the anorak You loved part. it. Didn't you? I, I, I figured we were on a call with, you know, three principled people here. <laughs> and I thought I was going to be able to make you, like, get a pledge, a promise that you would not be offering an anorak. Uh, apparently, there's no such promise. There's no such promise. So, I think this would be, as, as a... Apparently, you all know this is kind of an ongoing battle that Luke and I have. <laughs> so, um, again, so while I'm, I am mildly disappointed to hear that Made Custom will make you an, an anorak if for some unknown reason, that's what you want to do with your um, custom jacket. So, let me hear you guys talk about, people have heard me and Luke discuss this enough. Let me hear the three of you make the case for the anorak. I am actually I'm with I'm with you, Jonathan. Yes. I'm not an anorak gal. I yes. um, especially because it rains here almost all the time, and so if I'm wearing a jacket and I have to pull it over my head, not happy. Um, but I understand there's a need for it for certain people who have different um, values than us. Nope, <laughs> no, those people. It's called wrong. That's called having <laughs> wrong values, Cheryl. But I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to be open minded. So Dustin or Capri, can you? Can you make... Okay, Capri's got this. I'm just going to say one thing. Anoraks okay. are freaking rad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just people who no. care more about looking cool than how their jacket functions. You know what? And you, you can, if you got to trim the weight as much as you can, if you're, you know, getting rid of half of that center front zipper, that's that's extra grams. Yeah. Dustin, I think you're, you're getting put into kind of a tiebreaker position on this one. Well, I just told you that mine, the one that I chose was an anorak and it's entirely for weight and simplicity. That's the, that's the only reason I chose it is because it's, this is a jacket that stays in my pack most of the time. I'm not wearing it uphill very often. So this is like, I'm out and the weather has turned in a way that I didn't expect it to. And, uh, and so I'm going to pull this over. It's super simple. It doesn't have a bunch of stuff that like can go wrong or anything. So it's totally out of a simplicity and weight conversation. That's why I chose an anorak. Okay. And it looks awesome. (laughs) Okay. This, (laughs) Dustin, I'm going to, this, I think you have stated what I'm going to call the one actual legitimate argument for people that are storing it in a pack. Unlike 99% of anorak wearers who are wearing it at a resort and they'll never have it in a pack and they just think it looks cool to have a non-functional front to their jacket. I will give you, Dustin, proper credit for using an anorak for the one purpose that it actually fulfills well. But I'm not- Hold on, I'm though. Not... In, like, in a resort scenario, you think of the like <laughs> the like sweatshirt pockets and being able to kind of like warm your hands like together and stuff in it. Like there are, there's, you can't have that in a, in a full zip. That's what gloves are for. Yeah, that's why we wear gloves, nah. Dustin. No. Hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, I feel, I feel, Luke, did you, I should give Luke a word on this. I would just like to argue that in my case, it's not that I care more about how it looks. It's that I, like, I care a whole lot about how it performs, but I also care equally as much about how it looks and Anorax look a lot cooler. And... If even if you're skiing in the resort, how many times are you taking off and putting on your shell? For me, 
I put it on in the morning and I take it <laughs> off like at the end of the day. And that takes about, um, no, like 30 seconds. So hmm. anyway, all right. Well, I've, I've made my case before, you know, this is, this is exactly, this is exactly why we're doing this is there's so many features mm -hmm. on jackets that are so polarizing between people. Um, I think powder skirts are another one, you know, people mm. are like, get that off of there. Like, I don't need that at mm -hmm. all. Or like, yes, like, please put powder skirts in all of my jackets. But, yeah. uh, yeah. And I mean, you can only, you can only put so many, so many jackets and so many buckets, but, um, you know, if you can choose exactly what you want, then you're, you're golden. Yeah, no one's forcing you to do an anorak in this case, Jonathan. It's a slippery slope, Luke. It starts with <laughs> it starts with an option, and then one day they've taken away our full zippers, and what do we do then? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's year two. We're going to take away all full zippers. Um, Cheryl, do you have something to add to this, or will you save us from this topic? Where what are you doing here? I'm going to redirect us from Anorak um, okay. because All you right. mentioned something about next year. Um, and one of the things that I think is really different and exciting about what we're doing is that we're really focused on feature innovation. So we're not going to be adding just like new designs just for the sake of adding new designs and newness. So we can add newness in a couple different ways. So yeah, we'll, we'll tweak designs if it needs to, if that's what it's called for. But we're in this really fun place right now where we can add features as innovation. So, you know, through with this process of launching, we've had some people that have said, you know, it'd be really great. And Luke, actually, um, you mentioned it was the, the thought of adding longer zippers or changing that. And so we can we can add these features at this point because it like Capri said, we're just adding it's the on and off concept. So we can just turn that switch on if someone wants a different type of feature that we've never offered before and create newness that way versus just saying like we're using all the same features that everybody's standardized and is used to all the time we can add new features or like innovate that way and i think that actually ties well into the next point which is kind of just general sustainability like you just touched on that the vast majority of brands are even if they're not really changing a product each year they're still typically coming out with a whole new color range across the full size run. Um, and made is doing something very differently in that regard. Um, but yeah, I was wondering if you guys could just talk a little bit about more about sustainability and how you're thinking about it. Um, in the case of made. Yeah. I mean, just like you're saying, just this whole business model is we're not, uh, forecasting for the season and producing what we think we need. And, you know, no one ever gets it 100% right. You're, um, you know, you're lucky if you do sell through for the season. So, you know, since we're doing custom made gear, we're just making something when somebody asks. Um, so we're not stuck with a, lots of inventory at the end of season that many companies have to discount. Or I've heard some companies destroying their product because it will damage the brand's, you know, reputation. They don't want to be a discounted brand, but... For us, like that's something that we won't even actually have to venture into, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, like like Cheryl was saying too, is like uh, we can really focus all our energies on innovating certain features. So there's you know lots of standards in the industry, but if we really want to try something new and offer it to people, like we can just we we're focusing on just innovating that one portion, like maybe like a better hood design or like a yeah, more functional, more like easy to operate hood design. Um, and instead of having to apply that to a whole new jacket, we can just say, Hey, like we've designed this new hood design. Um, and you can just try it out, um, on our system that we've already, we already have built. Um, and then also, uh, our fabric selection too, right? So, you know, we are still making, things right or making stuff um so we want to just try and incorporate sustainability like at every level wherever we can whether that's like the materials we're sourcing or just packaging and um and the fact that we don't have to ship um we don't have to ship our our garments you know from factory to warehouse and then to retailer and then sometimes to your the customer it's just basically going straight from factory to you kind of thing and can we ask, I know this has got to be a moving target, but what kind of turnaround times are you anticipating? So the Indiegogo will be a 
that's a crowdfunding project, right? So it's going to be like, you know, once the campaign ends, then we start production and fulfillment and all that kind of stuff. However, in the fall, when we launch the brand for Realsies, um, the, uh, the goal is to be at a three-week turnaround. So when you place your order to uh, the day it lands on your doorstep, three weeks is our goal. And we think that's attainable. We definitely want to push that as time goes on and push it closer to two weeks and whatever. But we think three weeks is doable and still very much like an acceptable range uh, for people to get the like perfect product that they want. On that note, here's something I know absolutely nothing about. What are trends like these days in terms of like when someone's like, I want to get a new jacket, right? What's it like? I kind of imagine you guys know a bit about this and have looked into it, but how much is it like, oh, I need a new jacket. I want that thing right now, right? Versus people being, you know, I, I'm just wondering if trends are shifting at all or if you're like, we don't really know, but we're offering this and for the right for the right customer who is really struggling to find stuff that fits them, a three-week turnaround is going to be just fine. But I, I guess I'm asking you a question of um, customer wants, demands, and what that trend might be looking like. You guys got anything on that? Yeah. I mean, you see the, you see the general market kind of splitting right now, right? You see like the demand for same day and next day Amazon Prime style shipping, where it's like, I got to have this thing and I got to have it immediately kind of idea. Right. And then you see this other direction where you are seeing more made to order, um, like, you know, customization of, of the thing that you want and people being willing to wait for that right thing rather than settling for something that's good enough based off of what they can go and pick up at the shop right then, right? Like you're always going to have those like people who go on a ski trip once a year and just show up at the like the shop at Alta and just like, you know, drop eight grand on all the stuff that they buy, right? Like you'll always have those people and we won't be able to service those people. And that's fine. Like we... That's not our customer. Our customer is somebody who, who wants like the exact right thing for them and like wants to be able to really decide what that right thing is um, and, uh, and get it in that like what we think is a very timely manner. And so we, we definitely think we won't, deal, we won't see as much like uh, turnover in the spring and stuff every year in, in ski stuff because that's more kind of like oh, I got this trip planned and I don't have a good hard shell jacket or something. But like, I think in the fall and the like in the middle winter, for sure, people who are like really thinking about their kit for the year will like, you know, who are thoughtfully thinking like, okay, this is, this is what I want. Or I may be brand new to this and I don't even know what I want. And so I want to have that experience. So we can kind of cover all those people and, and really kind of like lean into the idea that like, hey, you don't need it right now you can get the perfect product if you're willing to wait just a few weeks. And, uh, you know, with a little bit of foresight, people can get the best possible product. Anything else on the sustainability front before we move on? Yeah, so um, so Capri touched on it quite briefly with um, with Simp Attacks. But um, like she said, one, we want to be a sustainable brand from the beginning. And and we are pretty realistic. We're making more stuff. We're making apparel and apparel is made from... Um, petroleum byproducts mostly. So work, by working with Sympatex and working with um, with Deadstock, one of our goals is to um, focus more on the circularity um, economy and circular um, products. So basically what it means for circularity is that when you create something new, it can go back into the cycle and be recreated. So, you know, reuse reduce, reuse, recycle type thing. But we want to start with all those materials right from the get-go that are able to go into that system. And so that's something that we're, um, I, I'll be honest, we're not there right now, but we, we're definitely working towards that. And it's our goal. Um, Sympatex has a really great partner called Wear to Wear, where they um, will just take a jacket. And if all the materials are made from the right um, right materials, they can just put it in the recycling machine and out comes new fabric. Um, so that is, that's our, that's our like really big goal is to be circular. 
um, and just be sustainable in every way we can as much as we can. I want to come back to something that we talked about early on here when we were talking about inclusivity and we were talking specifically about different body types and the like. But we're having a whole lot of conversations these days um, in the broader ski world and in the mountain biking world about gender and inclusivity in that front. And so um, I'm finding myself, um, you know, asking really each of the companies that we talk to what their sort of current take or philosophy is on this. And I'd, I'd love to ask you all that question about inclusivity in that broader sense. Cheryl? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we talked about it with sizing, but like you said, gender is a, is a huge conversation right now. We have two female founders um, and our female founders are on opposite ends of the size spectrum. Uh, so, you know, for me, I was altering pants to make them fit me when I was a size 12 and that was years ago. I'm not a size 12 anymore and I am still an active outdoor woman and I can't find clothes that fit me. And so that was really important to us to be able to in be inclusive with sizing, but also, um, also with gender. Like we don't think that the outdoor industry needs to be segmented into genders. You know, there's like the concept of pink and shrink or the pink tax where you just take a men's jacket and you make it small for a woman and make it pink. Um, that's kind of bullshit if I can swear. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, um, we're going to be removing the concept of gender from our shopping experience. So you're not going to go onto our website ever and say, you know, click men's section, click women's section. You're going to come onto our website, whoever you are, whatever your gender is, whatever your gender presentation is, um, your sexual orientation, it doesn't matter. You're going to come onto our website. You're going to give us your measurements, what color you love um, and you want, and we're going to make you a jacket that's perfect for you regardless of who you are. And I'm pretty excited about that. You guys did a very good job of covering a lot of the details. Um, for everyone else, what does the timeline look for made? What's in the immediate future? What's in the long-term future? Anything you guys are excited about? Whatever it is, go for it. So our timeline looks like this. We've got the Indiegogo right now. Um, and uh, so that's just the hard shell jacket. Um, and that's what all of our focus is on right now. Um, and then come fall, we will launch the full brand. And so that will look like hard shell jacket and pant, a soft shell jacket and pant, as well as synthetic mid insulation mid layers. Um, and that's what we're kind of targeting for this fall. Then beyond that, honestly, we have a notebooks full of ideas of what we want to do for future seasons, for future sports, for future categories. Like we know how to make really high end technical outerwear and we've got this system of made to measure and customization that we can now apply to all sorts of stuff in the future. So it's, there's so honestly, our, our concern is that we are going to try to run too fast at this point that like, we've got to almost pull ourselves back and say like, okay, what can we like definitely nail for spring of 22? What can we add to the winter category for fall of 22? You know what I mean? Like, so we're trying to go a step at a time and really make sure that what we do is amazing and that people are psyched about it in a way that they haven't been able to be about their apparel in the past. Cool. Well, I know we are very excited to go through the process and, and try it out and tell everyone what we think. Yeah, you just uh, just make a black anorak for Luke and he'll be like, this is the sickest thing I've ever seen. He's, <laughs> I mean, that's what I put down on the sheet. <laughs> I know you, Luke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's, uh, it is kind of ironic. Luke has all this technical apparel background and training, but you just, just make a black anorak. It, don't sweat the details. I would not worry about this one. <laughs> Spend five minutes on it. Just ship it to Luke. You're you're set. You're, you're, the review will be great. Yeah. It'll be the best black anorak you've ever seen. Oh, the most technical. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of good competition in that category. <laughs> wow. Well, to end on that depressing note uh, about my least favorite topic, I will say I have thoroughly enjoyed most of the rest of this conversation. And uh, 
Uh, it's really interesting to hear what you all are up to and the, the philosophy behind it. You absolutely have your work cut out for you. <laughs> I still haven't recovered from this new event that we recently launched. And so hearing you all in the the you know the current stages and and the trajectories that you all have laid out for yourselves it makes me a little bit tired for you but it is a pretty interesting and exciting opportunity and so best of luck with all of it thanks man thank you so much we are we are very psyched to be at the point we're at and like to finally be able to really like get it out there and for people to tell us what they think so yeah that's where we're at Excellent. Well, listen, thanks to all three of you for taking the time today and uh, good luck going forward. Hope to talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Okay. It is time for our What We're Celebrating This Week segment. It is currently exactly 1.58 a.m. Friday morning uh, when I am recording this segment. It has been a long day and... I mostly honestly want to celebrate that I am going to get to go to bed soon here. So cheers to that. But what I am actually going to be raising my glass of Whistlepig 12-year-old rye to, which I have here in my hand, is that we are finally back to daylight savings. Now, to be clear, daylight savings is stupid and should not exist. It's a good question, actually. What's dumber, anoraks or daylight savings? Because we should never, ever fall back in the fall anyway. We shouldn't do that. But that said, I am very happy that we are back to that time of year when things aren't dark by like 4.30 p.m. So in sum here, here's to getting to go to bed after a very long day. And here's to the longer days of spring where you can now start out on evening ski tours and you get to ski down before it's dark. It's the little things in life. Let's not forget to celebrate them. And speaking of the little things, or actually the not so little things, I think we should also throw in, here's to having a nightcap with a really good 12 year old whiskey. That is always, always appreciated. So with that, cheers everybody. And that then brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. And if you are enjoying these conversations, then be sure to subscribe to Gear 30 and leave us that five-star rating in iTunes because it makes us feel nice and makes us want to keep doing these conversations and recording these outros at two in the morning so that you get them in the morning in like, what well, I don't know, six hours. Anyway, so that helps. Leave us a nice little rating and tell your friends about the show. Now, I also want to say thanks to Cheryl and Capri and Dustin for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And of course, thanks to you for listening. From all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon. Cheers, everybody. Have a great weekend.